Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. Welcome to Pop to the Lou, where we share hilarious, embarrassing, heartbreaking, and inspiring stories of life with IBD. We will hopefully make you laugh, cry, and probably speechless, like Sarah is most of the time when I'm telling my stories. Welcome to episode nine of I almost said it takes guts. <laughs> It's popped to the loo. But we do have Darren here, who is one of the co-hosts of It Takes Guts. I'm going to take over this intro because Sarah clearly cannot do this today. (laughs) So we sat down with Darren, who is one of the co-hosts from It Takes Guts. This is one of our favorite podcasts, which is raising awareness about IBD. There's an awesome dynamic between him, Jake and Christine. They are wicked, really, really funny, really, really informative. It was an amazing episode being um, with Darren and yeah, he's so, so funny. Such a nice guy. That was better than my intro. Before we get into that, should we do our gratitude, babe? For sure. This week, I would like to do a special gratitude slash thank you slash 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 this week. Oh, you're on fire today, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) I am babe. I am fucking exhausted. I am so tired. The fact that I'm alive right now is shocking. And my moment of gratitude this week goes out to Michael Hansen, who, if you go back on our Instagram to one of our first videos, I had mentioned him there as well. And he's the person that really pushed me to start a podcast of some sort. And then Cass and I had a chat and Pop to the Lou was born. But from the very beginning, he has been so inspiring and supportive and motivating and just really encouraging us every step of the way from telling us what equipment to buy and how to record and where to get music for our intros and just how advising on every aspect, which has been so appreciated because Yeah, I definitely knew absolutely nothing about podcasting prior to that. However, he's actually a film director and he's developed a masterclass that is about to launch. It is the art of brand storytelling for creatives and filmmakers. He is based here in Australia, but you can sign up from anywhere in the world and you'll be working really closely with him. It involves personalized coaching and mentoring um, and really expanding your skills in that area. So highly recommend you check it out if you are in that industry or wanting to move into that industry. I think it's on a wait list at the moment, but I will link it in our description and also post it on Instagram. Honestly, like I said on Instagram, magical unicorn of a being. You definitely want to take the opportunity to work with him if that industry is of interest to you. So I want to do a massive shout out to everyone in the IBD community this week. It has just been incredible. The kind of the people that have reached out to us this week has been insane. I think quite a lot of people are struggling. I think it's the time of year. Quite a lot of people are, are kind of having relapses or flare-ups at the moment. And we've just been in contact with so many amazing people. I really hope all of you start to feel a little bit better soon. And yeah, just keep reaching out because we will always obviously contact you back. Just thinking of you all and just really, really grateful for your support as well for the podcast. Because I know, you know, like I said, lots of you are really unwell at the moment. And, you know, we're talking to you about how you're feeling, but also you can't be any nicer about our podcast, which is just so lovely to hear when you're not feeling 100% yourself. So huge love to all of you. Just thinking of you at this time and, and can't wait to carry on talking to you. How's your weekend going? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. A bit tired. Baby's not sleeping very well, but never mind. Oh, how old's the baby now? Um, 13 weeks. Oh my God. So yes, fresh. Still fresh. Hats off to you, mate. Yeah, it's it's going all right though. It's not like she's not sleeping and and not sleeping at all. It's that she wakes up several times in the night, but it's baby things, isn't it? Is it your first? It is, yeah. Yeah, so it's been a bit of a baptism of fire, but you know, we get on with it. We just get on with it, didn't you? For sure, for sure. <laughs> Got no other I won't option. moan about my bad sleep last night now. I've moaned at you, Sarah, but I'm not <laughs> going to moan at Darren because he'll be like, Cass, get a grip. I'll start with your podcast because I love your podcast. Thanks. 
So obviously there's three of you that do the podcast. So there's you, Jake and Christine, isn't there? Indeed, yeah. You guys have got a wicked dynamic. I love listening to you. You will bring something Thanks. completely different, hopefully like me and Sarah. Complete <laughs> <laughs> opposite. Um, yeah, how did you get started? So I wanted to do it just and I thought you know what I'm, I'm going to do it because I, I did another podcast with one of my friends from school just that was a bit of mucking about really and I really enjoyed it and I said to him I was like I'm going to do one about Crohn's but I need someone on board and I knew Jake through a friend that I'd met on the comedy circuit and he was like he would be well up for it and I thought do you know what if we if me and Jake just do it it's just going to be just constant nonsense oh, and like it's it, yeah it's just going to turn into like basically our stand-up sets over and over again so got a page up on Instagram and I, I followed Christine and I was like, oh, you know, she looks like she knows what she's talking about. Obviously she's doing her master's um, in, in cancer research. And I was like, she's obviously got a medical background. She can bring something extra to the podcast. And I just reached out to her and said, look, I'm planning this project. Do you want to be involved in it? We'll have a chat. And she was well up for it. And we just, and from the first video call that we had where we didn't record, we just had a chat about what we wanted to do. We knew that it was going to be good. And we knew that we, like you say, we'd all got something different. I was pretty good at doing the hosting. Those two were good at jumping in. Christine could bring some medical background stuff. And it was just it just worked. Um, and then Jake's sister, Emma, she doesn't come on the recordings much, but she does all of the Instagram and, and all that. So we, we've got everything covered and it just yeah. it's just worked well. With Christine bringing all the medical stuff, she does it in a really good way as well. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's... We, Sarah and I are really conscious we didn't want like a it's not that we didn't want an, an informative podcast but we wanted to keep it really light yeah and like humorous and you guys do that so naturally as well and I think Christine like where she brings like the medical side to it it's just done in like a again a really informative way Darren but one of which everyone can understand as well yeah that's exactly what we wanted to do we didn't want to make it too hard and heavy because yeah. you know if someone we, what we wanted it to do is to be accessible to everyone so that not only people with the condition can listen to it and relate and think, oh, people are going through the same as me. We wanted people that know those people that haven't got those conditions to listen to it and go, oh, I understand what he or she is going through now because I've listened to this podcast. But if it was just us talking about the real bad sides of this illness, it would put a lot of people off. And yeah. I, I don't think that's, that's a harsh thing to say because it, it, it's not nice. But if you can listen yeah. to it and actually you go, you know what, that was quite funny. And we presented it in a funny way. And Christine said something that's relatable, but understandable to someone that doesn't live it, then, you know, more power to it. That's why we talk about drinking so much. <laughs> Get the alcoholics on board. They'll understand. Oh, <laughs> my God, honestly. So we had to re-record one week, one of our mind and gut check-ins, Darren, because I actually said, Sarah, this is turning into like an AA, like, <laughs> <laughs> mind dump mate it's like honestly they're gonna people are gonna just get the wrong idea about the podcast and maybe report us for having problems <laughs> <laughs> it's culture it's fine we toned it down didn't we so in the end but with regards yeah. to your own personal journey Darren kind of where did everything start how was your diagnosis period so I got I officially got my diagnosis in April 2009 um I started showing symptoms in the previous September so September 08 and it started with what I thought was acid reflux um, and it just had a burning sensation in my chest and it just didn't go for like two weeks. And then other symptoms kicked in from there. I started bleeding when I was going to the toilet. I started having, you know, didn't sleep, started losing weight, lost my appetite. And then many trips to just my GP. Obviously, they did what they could do based on the symptoms I was presented to, uh, presenting to them. But they don't know everything, do they? So I got diagnosed with oral thrush. Um, wow. I got diagnosed with glandular fever. I got diagnosed with celiac disease. Um, I got, uh, obviously, with the bleeding and stuff, they they um, diagnosed I had an anal fissure and all this sort of stuff, um, which, you know, is part and parcel. Now I know it's part and parcel of Crohn's disease. You get all of these sort of things. But it took a, a long time to get referred to the hospital. Mm. Um, and I think I only got referred, or the doctor only referred me to the hospital maybe in like the early December of 08. And it was like a four and a half, five month wait to, to go to the hospital, which, you know, when you're living those symptoms and when I was still living at home, my mum and dad at that time, and they could see me deteriorating. And it was like, now we need to do something about this. So we ended up going private um, and just saw a doctor and I sat down with him for half an hour, obviously specialist in a gastroenterologist. And he sat down half an hour discussion and he said to me, I need to do an exam on you, but 
I'm almost certain you've got Crohn's disease. And that was the first time I'd heard it. And I was like, okay, what, what's this? Never heard that before. So yeah, he did a he did an exam. We all know the exam I'm talking about. <laughs> finger up the bum. Um, and he was like, kind. yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it depends if, if that floats your boat. Um, but <laughs> but I was, and he did, and he was like, yeah, I'm, you know, 95% certain you've got Crohn's disease. And within two weeks, I'd, I was having a colonoscopy at the hospital um, under one of his colleagues and they diagnosed it there and then. And it was like, yeah, 100% Crohn's disease. And then the learning started from there. And with, with regards to your own learning, did you, did you find you did all the research yourself pretty much? My mum did a lot of it. Oh, she, yes, mum. Yeah, but but the problem with with my mum doing it is, uh, you know, Google and medical advice on Google, right? So it was like the worst thing that had ever happened to a human being when I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Like it was cheap. Uh, to be fair, when they thought I had celiac, my mum went out to the supermarket and bought everything free from. And you know, this was this was two thousand eight. So the free from range was pretty shit. shit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like now you can eat stuff and you go, do you know what? I wouldn't have thought that was gluten-free or dairy-free or whatever. But then she bought, I, I always remember she bought these Bakewell tarts and it was like eating a rye vita with icing on the top. It was horrible. So yeah, so she, she would, she would do all that. So she did all the research on Chrome and she was like, look, this is what it means and, and whatever. Cause you know, I still wasn't sleeping or whatever. So I, I didn't really have time to read stuff and digest stuff. In, in more ways than one. Do you have celiac or is it just Crohn's? No, no, Did they it was just Crohn's. You? They misdiagnosed. Oh. I've not got celiac. Not that I know of. Nothing's ever affected me since, but yeah, just the Crohn's as far as I know. So yeah, and all the research was done by my mum in the first instance. And then the more and more you go to appointments and they say, try this, try that. It could be this. Cut down, go and see a dietitian, cut down on veg, cut down on this, cut down on that. You, you do your own readings and you find out what, what could potentially happen. But like I say to everyone you know, on the podcast, I've said it, and, and in my personal life as well, it's it, this disease affects everyone individually. You know, what ha- what works for me won't work for you, and what works for you won't work for me. And it might help me, but it might not be the best thing for me. And you just have to you just have to go with the flow, really. And it's it's not a happy time going through that and being, you know, what right? I've got to try this. I've got to try introducing this into my diet, or I've got to try this medication again. And if it don't work, it don't work. And it's horrible, but you get there eventually. Unfortunately for me, I have come out into a better position now. Um, but yeah, those, those three, four years initially were just awful. How old were you, Darren, when you got diagnosed? Twenty. I just turned 21. Oh, wow. So that's yeah, a so, age as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was, you know, I was 20 when I started showing symptoms and all my friends turning 21, big birthday parties, you know, going out and all that sort of stuff. And I just didn't want to be at any of them. Not because I didn't like my mates or anything, but yeah, you just yeah. you just ain't got the energy. And I remember yeah. I went out for my twenty first. We went out to London, and I just I had you have to have drinks and stuff on your own birthday. I didn't want any. We went out, and then the <laughs> next day, my mum had arranged for like all my family to come round to our house, and I got in maybe I don't know two o'clock in the morning. Let's say been drinking, feeling shit anyway. And then all of my family turned up at one o'clock in the afternoon the next day, like 50, 60 people turned up at my mum's oh house. God. I was absolutely <laughs> hanging. I weighed eight and a half stone and, and this like things just clothes just hanging off me. And I was like, like a zombie, like, I don't want you here. And thanks yeah. for the birth. Thanks for the presents. Cheers for the money in the car. I'll to take get the out money. Of the house. Yeah. <laughs> and that's such a, that's such a difficult age though, isn't it? Cause mm. like as well, that's where everyone's either like, getting their new jobs uni time or traveling yeah. isn't it it's like the boys holidays it's that mm-hmm. it's that time isn't it where you're a complete nightmare really yeah yeah definitely I missed out on a trip to Ibiza because of it oh. but in hindsight I'm pretty glad of it because my mates are just animals yeah. I don't even think I would have survived <laughs> even if I was like fully fit you've oh. you've saved liver failure and a few Absolutely. pennies mate it's an expensive island that one <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> That is a proper difficult age. Christine on the podcast, she got diagnosed really young. Yeah. And she went through hell and so did her mum and dad. And later in life, you know, you're already really set in your ways. You know, if you're late 40s or whatever, you don't want to change your lifestyle, which is what you have to do when you get these these sort of diseases. So in hindsight, I'm quite glad, probably is a bad word, but I'm quite glad that I got I got diagnosed when I did and it and it came to light when it did because I had time to process it and now I can start living my life the way I want to live my life and I'm still young you know I'm yeah. 33 but not, I'm over yeah, the hill <laughs> <laughs> meds wise Darren are you on any meds now 
So I'm only on azathioprine now, which is uh, 150 milligrams a day. So it takes so three tablets and I take them in the evening every day. And that's all I take, wow, that's, that's great. which which is a great position to be in. Any so I, Any side effects? Not major, not major. They, they, I get a, like dry sinuses and stuff, which could be related to it, but could just be allergies. But nothing that I can pinpoint and say absolutely is the azathioprine, apart from I get sunburned really easily. And that's not just because I'm bald. I get I get sunburned everywhere, like because uh, it thins your, your either thins your blood or thins your skin. I can never remember, and you just yeah, you meant to protect yourself, and sometimes I forget, and it just I get a, a red arm or a red face or a red nose, That's and it. that can be related to it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Do you think you'll be staying on the medication, or have your doctors spoke about taking you off of medication completely? So the last consult i had with my um with my gastro was last year and he suggested that we could reduce the dose i don't think they want to take me off it completely um because i am technically in remission now so i I don't think they want to i don't think i would want to because i think it's just it's nice to have a backup and with the the whirlwind of my life at the minute with the baby and stuff there has been a few days where i have forgot to take my meds and i feel it the next day and then i know as soon as i take my tablet I'll start feeling, or not immediately, but I'll start feeling a bit better. So I wouldn't want to be in a position where they've taken my prescription away. I've not got that sort of safety blanket, if you will. Yeah. So, yeah, the, there was talk of it, but I'm quite happy to just you know stay on the tablets because I, I was on some more aggressive meds and stuff. I was on infusions previously on infliximab. Um, yeah. and, and that was great. And that got me to where I am now. But while you were on it, it was, it was not the best. And there were a lot of side effects to that. that. It's yeah, horrible. it's horrible. Absolutely yeah. horrible. So I was on it for three, uh, three and a half or four years, somewhere around there. But yeah. it was just, uh, did you get on the infliximab? Did you get the like the waves? I called it where you're like, you have your infusion, you're on the way up, it gets into your system, you're absolutely living on cloud nine, and then to the end of the eight week cycle, whatever it is, you like take a massive dip. Yes and no. Right after I get the infusion, I would be out. I was just completely out of oh, really? it. Like immediately after I just mm-hmm. had to sleep. I take like a day or two and just rest or jump on a plane and regret it. Um, but no, I definitely had to rest after getting the infusion. My body was quite exhausted. Yeah. It just, I was sick so often because I, I was careful, like as mm-hmm. careful as I could be living the lifestyle I still wanted to live. So every time I'd fly, I'd end up getting like bronchitis or pneumonia or like just everything is my immune system was wiped. I don't remember drastic waves, but I do remember other side effects like being so sore, like getting mm. really like sore joints and muscles and stuff like that. I wish I had a high. Kind of jealous I didn't get a high. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that great, let's face it. When, when you've been like in, in the doldrums and then you'd see like take your medication, you're like, do you know what? I can eat again. Yeah, I can I can actually stay awake yeah, for more bed. than eight hours. <laughs> That's the high I'm talking about. It's not that fantastic. It's just getting me to live a normal life. Yeah. How often were you getting them? Uh, the once every eight weeks, they were sit in a room and look yeah. like you. Yeah, it was horrible because I I always likened it to like having chemotherapy, and it's just I, I just it just scared me initially taking yeah. it. I was like, well, I don't want to be sat here on a drip for however many hours. And then the first time I went for it, I don't know whether you had this, Sarah, but they go, they they don't really tell you. They tell you obviously what's going to happen, but they don't say what's going to happen on the day of the infusion. So I turned up for the first infusion. And I hate needles anyway, so I had to have a cannula. And that was that was traumatic enough. And then you, you're sat in the chair and they're like, right, we're going to put it into your system slowly and it's going to be like two and a half hours. I'm like, all oh, right, brilliant. And then when your two and a half hours are up, you've got to sit in the chair for another two and a half hours while we monitor your heart rate to make sure you don't have a heart attack. I'm like, what? Well, what? Sorry? So I'm, I'm already plans. plugged in. Yeah, I'm already plugged in. And I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, um, okay, brilliant. This, uh, and then your heart rate goes up. I'm like, it's yeah, just because I'm nervous. Like scared, I'm like, I'm really? yeah, <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing to me? No, I had been in the hospital about two weeks two, two and a half weeks by the time they were like, oh, let's try and flex him up. So yeah, I didn't really have that on the first experience. I was already in the hospital bed, but going back to the hospital for like the follow-up infusions, my mm-hmm. veins are horrible, like next level. And I'm like you, I hate needles. So every time I go, they would put a blanket over me and bring me like hot, like heating pad kind of things to put on my veins. And they'd make sure I was drinking water and give me like cookies. 
and apple oh, juice like, yeah. has entered the building. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would spend a good hour trying to get my veins and like bursting veins and stabbing me. Usually, I think the average was about five times of trying to get the cannula in before they would finally find a vein. And they'd like go through and rotate through nurses. Like it was a huge ordeal. It was a nightmare. So pleased I'm not <laughs> I'm not alone in that. I I had that as well. I, I'm sure I had a mark against my name that they knew I was coming in. And yeah. they used to like call me through, sit sit in the waiting room, check in. They call me through, and the nurse would like openly say in front of everyone else in the waiting room, "Have you still got a problem with fainting?" <laughs> yeah, cheers. Oh, yeah, no. yeah, I have. Yeah, to the extent that they actually, I told the story actually on on it takes guts. They actually wrote it on a specific nurse to be there when I had my <laughs> my fusion because she was a specialist in breathing techniques, <laughs> so that people didn't pass out whilst having whilst having canyons put in. And they laid me on a bed in the room where everyone else is having their infusions. I was laid on a hospital bed while this nurse was saying to me, now breathe in and hold it and breathe out. I'm like, oh, yeah, OK, just get on with it. And the embarrassment <laughs> of that experience has made me just just deal with it from now on because I just can't deal with that. It's too Sounds much. like you're in early stages of labour. Yeah, it basically <laughs> was. Yeah. And hold it. <laughs> Yeah, you can do this, Darren. Yeah, would you like an epidural? <laughs> yeah, no, it's just another needle, but I can't see that one, so it's not too bad. Were you really good when your missus was giving birth? I was actually. Well, I like to think I was. It was. Um, yeah. Let's get her on. Let's double check. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure she would say the same. I'd hope so. Anyway, I hope so. But it's it's hard, wasn't it? Because it's COVID, and everyone's like, you can't go anywhere near her. And she she did have a bit of a tough time in in the labour. To be fair to her. And she was hooked up to loads of machines and I just had to be in the room but stay away from her and oh, no. like wear a mask and all that sort of stuff. So it wasn't, you know, it was terrible for her, but it was also pretty bad for me. That's not, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it sounds it. <laughs> yeah, I, I hated it. I was watching Alan Partridge in the football and all sorts on my iPad <laughs> just to get through. Did you I was have watching- snacks? I had loads of snacks. I kept going to the canteen. I come back with like, <laughs> like a, a, a polystyrene tray of chips and all sorts. I was loving it. And they were like, no, she's had an epidural, so she can't eat. And I'm just like scoffing <laughs> chips, like, what? <laughs> Darren, I only ask because I've I've just been birthing partner for one of my best mates. One of the things every I'd ask like my girl mates, blokes, like, what would they like any kind of tips? And everyone just said snacks. It was nothing about how to like help their missus yeah. it was just like make sure you got snacks mate I got I was so hungry <laughs> so, oh my God. so like, we took like a massive snack thing and that's why I'm asking and I, I did the same to my best mate so she had to stop eating because she had the um you know when they give the hormones to start the contractions I can't remember yeah, what it's yeah. called the, uh, God knows why I was better oxytocin drip that's it yeah, that's and it, then yeah. you can't eat after that's given can you yeah. there's a there's literally a picture of me like I, I took so much in and one of the things was I had like some spaghetti bolognese left over I mean now I think of it what an awful thing to take while your best mates in labor like massively <laughs> garlicky spaghetti bolognese there's a picture of me like ramming it down my throat and my best mates like in the background like legs up like, <laughs> like, gas and air like honestly but I'll never forget <laughs> snack corner it was my yeah. I obviously did a little bit of research on you. So you're in sales. Yes. Job, job, mm-hmm. But you also are a comedian. Yes. So tell us a bit about that and how you manage work and doing shows. Um, so the, the comedian stuff, I haven't really done for like the last year, lockdowns and pregnancies and babies and all sorts. <laughs> but I've, I've done majority of them been relatively local to where I live. So it's, it's sort of like an evening driving after work. And I finish work at about quarter to five normally the office closes so it gives me the evening sort of to myself so I can always drive to you know I've, I've driven to Ipswich and Colchester and, and different places to just do a 10 minute show which seems mad oh, to wow. me. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, it's it's relatively easy to manage and also I, I do half days on a Friday so awesome. if I have a gig on a Friday then I can always just pop off early you know I need I need to do some in London I really need to do I really need to get back out there I've got so much more material now from you know pregnancy labor early <laughs> stages of being a dad I've got so much I could literally write about a three-hour show on it but it's just getting the time to physically write it and practice it and perfect it that's that's just the that's the thing they are the, they're the best especially when you're taking the piss out of like yourself and like your loved ones I know 
I'm sure it was like Mickey Flanagan was like his missus just told him to stop using her and like his sketches or something but there was just yeah. so much material. How did you start your career in comedy? So I started it as like a charity event so there's a, a company in the UK that do like you can raise money to do like boxing or dancing or, or things like that I can't for the life of me remember their name but so this this comedy one come up and you have to raise a certain amount of money and you get eight weeks of training with a pro comic and then you get a night on stage doing like 10 minutes of material with all the other people that are on the course so I've always wanted to do it because people have always said oh you're really funny not bragging but they do <laughs> yeah and I was like you know what I might as well give it a go this what a prime opportunity to do it because there, there's no pressure people are there to just have a good night of you know have a laugh and whatever and raise some money for charity so so I did it it went really well and the guy that did the training he's based in Norwich and he's he's pretty got a pretty decent career out of it he goes all over the country and he sort of said to me you should really do this again and he runs a little night uh, in in a bar in Norwich City, which is just like you know sixty people in a room, and he's like, I run the night. He said, come and do five minutes of just new material or the material you did at the charity gig, whatever. But see if you like it, and and you, you're more than welcome back. And it went really well. And it was just before Christmas a couple of years ago, actually Christmas before the first lockdown. And I really really enjoyed it. People laughed. You know, there's no there's no better feeling than being on stage and something that you've written or something you say makes people laugh. And it's just, it's just like a really nice reaction. When it doesn't go down so well, that's not a great feeling. <laughs> that's what I was just going to say. Has there been any awkward moments where you're like, you've dropped like a joke and no one's laughing? <laughs> well, quite a lot of my material is centred around Crohn's and shitting myself. So you Are have people to, worried? <laughs> yeah, it depends. It depends at what point of the bill I come in at. Because if I'm on first and they've not had a lot to drink and I'm talking about really runny poos and like getting colonoscopies and all that sort of stuff <laughs> they might not find it as funny as when they've had like several several drinks <laughs> everybody everybody finds poo humor funnier when they're drunk right so if i'm if i'm later on it goes down the storm but if i'm early on i have to maybe maybe mediate it a little bit note to self always get on stage last it's starting a comedy career well yeah if you <laughs> if you can do tanked. it yeah, exactly. If you can, you have to be really good to get on last. That's the problem. You'd think it'd be the other way around, though, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, I think. But going on, no one wants to go on first because yeah. nobody knows what the audience is going to be like. And the middle spots are, are quite are quite nice to go on because everyone's warmed up. Yeah. But if it's been a long night and you're on last and you're not as good as you think you are, that is dire. <laughs> that is that. There, there's a this story. I'll tell you quick. So. I did another charity gig. So with the people that we did the one for, that we raised money for for cancer research, we did another one for Mind. And oh, we organised it ourselves. Organised it ourselves. We, it was all the same people. And we said, like, you know, do some different material. It'll be the same people supporting it. So they would have seen the other stuff. And the night was so long because we didn't really organise it very well. And it started at 8 o'clock. And they said to me, we want you to headline, headline in inverted commas, nice. Uh, a social club in Norwich brilliant <laughs> how how my career has peaked um so so they were like we want you to headline go on last fine whatever so I, it started eight o'clock and I got onto the stage at 20 past 11 right so everyone had had enough had enough and the reason they had enough is because in the middle there was a guy that did 22 minutes before we pulled him off the stage of material about wanking into various different towels and how he used to clean up after himself with various different materials in his house. And it is as bad as it sounds. Amazing. And that 22 minutes was all that. Was, it, was everyone minutes. like really awkward in the crowd, like not knowing what to do? The, nobody was laughing. But he didn't. <laughs> this, this was the second time he'd been on stage and he, he, he's not a funny guy. And he, he didn't pick up on the fact that no one was laughing. Like if I was doing something, if I was doing something about my crumbs, let's say, and it didn't get the laugh that I wanted or no laugh at all. I'll switch to something. I'll start telling jokes about my wife. I'm not proud. Right. <laughs> so if, but if some, if you're doing 22 minutes of talking about masturbating into your mum's curtains, then oh my god, no word of a lie. That was what it was about. I would have stopped long ago. 20, and, then, and then he had a hissy right. fit. He had a hissy fit because we pulled him off the stage. He just like gave the mic to the MC and walked off. <laughs> 
Yeah. That's a lot of towels and curtains. <laughs> it is a lot of towels and curtains. It is a lot. I feel sorry for his mum. Sarah's brain thinking about it logically. <laughs> That's amazing. So have you gone further afield in the UK with the comedy stuff or is it just UK no. at the moment? No. Well, unless you count the podcast as comedy, then yes, I have. Yeah. But, you know, no physical physical on the stage stuff has just been fairly local, as it were, within like an hour's drive of me. So I might start it up again in the new year once I've had some time. I've got quite a lot of time off over Christmas, so hopefully get a chance to write some stuff and, and then hit the stage again. <laughs> Does this mean you have some really good stories for us? Um, I do have some really good stories, actually. Yeah, I, I, can, tell, I can tell you one, which is about when I went paintballing. Um, Amazing already. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So I've been a couple of times paintballing, right? But a friend of mine, does it on a on a paintballing team if you can imagine a paintballing team yeah so why people would do that of a weekend and do it as a team i don't know it's so painful fair, as well. yeah fair play if you do that but if you don't understand what a paintball team is imagine a football team but it's made up of all the people that got picked last in pe right <laughs> so <laughs> it's like they just dress up as arm, army soldiers and pretend to shoot each other with paintball so it made me go on this paintballing weekend shout out to steve thanks for that mate and it was like, it was a whole weekend. So it was Friday to Sunday. We turned up on the Friday night, camping, you know, all sorts. So I took with me some snacks, right? But not any proper food because food was provided and it was barbecue food all weekend. I'm talking breakfast, lunch, and dinner was cooked on the barbecue. Was it cooked properly? Probably not. Because I'm just about to tell you how it went. So yeah, so, you know, like bacon on the barbecue, then like lamb kebabs in an evening, <laughs> just constantly, right? So the Saturday night, so I'd been there over 24 hours at this point, eating barbecue food, shitting in public toilets, sleeping outside. <laughs> living the dream. Living outside. Yeah, living the dream. Absolutely. Yeah. I would have rather slept in my car. So the Saturday night, they do this floodlit game, which is like meant to be really good. You go into this arena that's all floodlit and it's, yeah great so so we we get all the gear on right and i borrowed my mate's gear so and it's quite muddy and quite cold so i've got like uh i've got obviously pants this, this, but we'll gloss over that so, so i've got pa- i've got pants on for a change um, and then i've got like these cycling shorts to keep everything in place while i'm running about not that i'm that well endowed but you have to wear it um <laughs> and then i've got like these these padded trousers and then over the top, I've got like these paintball trousers. And then I've got like a skin, you know, like a tight, tight yeah. top, then like a T-shirt and then a paintball shirt. So I am layered up to fuck. And then around my midriff, I've got like this belt, just like, like a back brace, but you keep all the paint pods in it. So all of your refills. So that's really tight around my stomach. Right. So we go off to this night game and I've got all this on and we're, we're lining up ready to ready to go into this uh, into this game. And they're like, oh, you go down there. And I'm like, right, before I walk down to the end of this arena, I really need to let a fart go because oh, my no. stomach is turning over. And I, I did it. It was not a fart, as you can well imagine. <laughs> and it, everything, the 24 hours worth of barbecue food evacuated from me in one instant into four pairs of trousers. And so I was like, right, so I've got the mask on. And I've got a gun that's live filled with paint. And I'm like, oh, fucking hell, well, I can't play the game now like this. So I immediately legged it to the exit, trying to make this gun safe, turn it off, and <laughs> take this mask off, feeling all claustrophobic. And I go into this toilet cubicle that is it's ti- it's a tiny toilet cubicle. I, I couldn't even turn around in it. And I'm trying to then not shoot myself in the face with this paintball <laughs> gun, take all of these layers off to get down to my pants, which are now just... A receptacle for turds it's so compact as well and it's so compact <laughs> and but it, it it was all liquid as well like there was barely any solid to it and it's it went fucking everywhere 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 so i managed i obviously binned the pants off and i managed to save some because the the trousers i had on the top layer were my mates and i didn't want to shit in them so I, I so i i managed to sort of semi-clean myself up but the worst bit about it and I can't remember whether I told this part of the story when I told it on the It Takes Guts version is I walked back from where I this toilet cubicle back to the tent which was like a five minute walk in shitty kecks and I got back to got back to the the tent because I wanted a shower 
but my towel was down there. So I got my, my towel, walked back up, same shitty trousers, got into the shower cubicle and then realized that I didn't have any fucking shower gel with me. So I was just like, what? And this is, I don't, I don't even think I've told anyone this before. So this is a, this is a little exclusive for you. That's what we like. So, yeah, so the, my only option was someone had been in the shower before me and clearly used like that foam stuff that like gets the lava stuff that gets the, and some had like just been left on the wall. So I scooped it off the wall and I had to use that. <laughs> horrific. Absolutely horrific. And then after that, I went home in the I went home in the morning. I said to my mate, <laughs> I've shit myself and I'm going home. I gotta go. I was like, don't tell anyone else. Tell them I got a bad back. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, I like you that. Absolutely destroyed me. You can kind of roll with different like physical health conditions the older you get as well. Now, don't you yeah. reckon? Like you can just yeah, throw yeah. everything in the mix. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. I love that. Have you, Darren, have you got like so Sarah and I have discussed this before? We're all about like you have to have like solid mates who you can be really really honest and upfront with and who can take the piss out of you as much as you take the piss out of yourself have you got that as well yeah oh I've got that with my wife don't worry about my friend she takes the piss out of me (laughs) sometimes yeah no my my mates are brilliant um I've got a a pretty tight knit group of mates I went to school with that we've known each other years and years but yeah they they were great when when everything happened and and I was I was really ill and I missed out on the holiday down IB for like I was saying they, they were great about it and they didn't hold it against me, you know they they understood the reasons why I was doing it you know yeah. I can't I can't go because you know X Y Z and they were like yeah fine I understood it's fine we're, you re- we're would have it. really fucked with our game if you were coming out <laughs> yeah, exactly. to be shitting ourselves <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I'm there I'm I'm there may or may not be wearing pants depending on what time of the evening it was. <laughs> But yeah, no, no, my mates are great. My mates are great. And my family are great as well. Amazing. Were you pretty open with your friends with everything as it was happening? Or did you have a challenging time kind of explaining um, and communicating? I wasn't open with them to the full extent of what I was going through at the time. I think because, because I didn't fully understand it myself and because people don't understand the nuances of, of what goes on with, with Crohn's and colitis, you, you just tell them how it is. Look, I've got this disease and it makes me basically go to the toilet more than you is, is the bottom line right and there, there's so many other things but to explain this to someone who's never understood it before that's the easiest thing you can say to them so for years and years and years I used to get ribbed for the boy that poos himself and all this sort of stuff <laughs> but the, the more and more you go down you can explain more look I'm going through this and this is what's happening to me physically and you know and I've had to go to the hospital and I've had to have a camera stuck up my ass and all this and the more you come to terms of it yourself the more you can explain it to them in a in an understandable but the way I do it is a jokey way yeah but I I, the mental side of it I think it took me a long time to to come to terms with enough to talk to someone about it and say to my mates look I'm I might be healthy in inverted commas at the minute I might be you know things might be under control but upstairs it's like I'm still not come to terms with it so and they were great at listening my, one of my one of my best mates, Gav um, and Matt as well. Shout out to you boys because they they were the ones that listened. And you just need that sometimes. You just need to spout off to someone and let them listen. We know it's really really difficult for guys to open up. You know because yeah. you guys you know like us, which I don't agree with by by the way. But you guys are supposed to have everything on lockdown. You know, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's yeah. You know, you're you're supposed to have that kind of front that everything's okay, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And it's I think you guys find it quite difficult to open up about, especially health stuff, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think the more me personally, I, I I'm open about everything now, and I, I will talk about whatever's going on if I need to talk to someone about it. I talk to someone because I've I've been through a situation that that called for it. But people from like my generation, you you come from dads who have got dads who are men were men and they you're not meant to talk about stuff and you're not meant to cry and you're not meant to do all of this but now everyone with things like men's mental health awareness month and, and people talking about it things going on in their lives in open forums men especially can take a lot of encouragement from that to do the same and you have to because it's there's, there's no there's no harm in it there's no harm in talking about it there's no harm in being open and honest about something that's going on in your life you know, especially if it's if it's causing you hurt and causing you to sit there and think, well, oh, this is a bit shit. And the more you do that, the more it compounds the issue. But if you get it out in the open, it'll 
it's, it's going to help. I think someone said the other day as well, Darren, which was so true. I think COVID has made people realise as well that actually it's really easy to feel really shit overnight. Mm, yeah. And, yeah. you know, being locked down, losing jobs, relationships breaking down, being stuck at home, et cetera, et cetera. Like mm-hmm. people have realised like, how quickly your mental health can deteriorate. Yeah. And I think yeah. people who may not have struggled before with anything like that have seen how maybe anxious they felt because of COVID, not leaving mm-hmm. that house, you know, feeling really low in moods. And I think that as a result of that, they kind of can, can probably empathise and sympathise with people on a level yeah. they might not have done before because of their own personal experience. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because everyone was in the same boat, weren't they? You know, you could everybody could relate to exactly that. I'm feeling alone because I'm in lockdown. Every single person in the world has gone through that at least once or twice in the last 18 months. So everybody can talk on a level, you know, it's not just me talking to someone about my Crohn's. You can say, you know, I feel really alone today because I haven't left the house in two days. And, oh, yeah, I'm exactly the same. So it just gives people, in a way, it's a bit of a blessing in disguise, isn't it? Yeah. COVID's helped mental health. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Well done, COVID. Cheers. We do say this there, isn't it? Like when, I think when you've got an illness of any kind, I I think you gen, gen, like generally become more confident either taking the mick out of yourself if, if that's the sort of person you are I'm very similar to you Darren I just literally ripped the piss out of myself and have done yeah. since I was a kid and I think I've just it's probably a defense mechanism as well mm-hmm. like I just do it that's my way of kind of getting my voice across and I think when you have an illness I do think you have you become a little bit more confident in discussing things because you've had to yeah exactly yeah is there anything that you do yourself to kind of we always um, talk about this kind of to manage like stress or manage your own symptoms that are like real personal to you I sort of live by a, a mantra really which I make my mum live by as well because she's a worrier and she gets stressed about stuff but I always think to myself if I if I can't change it why worry about it yeah. and that's always the way that I've not always the way since since Crohn's I, I've, I've thought about things this way so I listened to a, it was an audio book by a guy called, um, what's his name? Oh, Miles Hilton Barber. And he's like a, a blind explorer and he does like mad things like complete marathons and stuff. And get, he was, yeah. he does deep sea diving. He's com- got no sight at all. But he, he talks about why you shouldn't let things limit you. And he always says like, yeah, if you can't change it, why worry about it? I'm blind. Can't change it. Don't worry about it. And I always think, do you know what? Yeah, I've got Crohn's can't change it why worry about it you know physically yeah and keep my health on a level keep taking my tablets do that but all the other things I can't I can't change it so I can't spend my time thinking about it and I always try and just day to day if it's something at work or whatever I'm like right is this something that I can affect yes if I do xyz I'll come to a result fine let's do that if I can't it's not my problem you know true it's controlling the controllables, isn't it? And exactly. the uncontrollables, you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And not being determined by circumstance. Like yeah. you can't, I think you, you've said before about how this, these conditions are not, they're not the definition of you. They aren't you. I'm not, I'm not Darren with Crohn's. I'm, I'm Darren, you know, I, I, the, the Crohn's is a side issue, but it's not, it shouldn't determine your outlook on life just because it is what it is. And that same guy that I was just talking about, he, he says a thing in the, the same um, audio book. It's not the wind that determines the destination. It's the set of your sails. So if you're trying to get from north to south on a lake and the wind is blowing west to east, it doesn't mean you're going to end up east. If you set your sails properly, you'll get south eventually because you've so just got to look at it that way. Life will, will throw a load of shit at you. And it's kind of it's making sure that you're responding to that shit in the best possible way, isn't it? Because yeah. that shit is yeah. not going to stop. You're going to have... Exactly whether it's crisis, whether it's trauma, whether it's something bad happens to you every single day. And it could be anything, couldn't it? It could be stubbing your toe before you've even got that. You know, you get out of bed, stubbing your toe, and then the kettle's not working, you ran out of coffee, whatever it might be. (laughs) Nightmare, absolute nightmare. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's like, (laughs) it's just making sure that you respond to those things as best Mm -hmm. as you can. Absolutely, absolutely. What is next, but it takes guts? Uh, So we're back with new episodes in the new year, um, which is exciting. there's also loads of loads of shit talk, loads of hopefully lots of comedy. Let's face it. We we wanna we wanna make people laugh and some some interesting interviews. Um so that'll kick off again first week of January. We're just about to start recording them uh, next week. 
which is oh, which is going to be good. And hopefully in the near future, a little collab episode with you girls. Yay! Yeah. We would love that. We've got a new co-host that's joined us as well. So we're up to a team of four. So um, Ruth, uh, Ruth, who came on and told her story um, on one of our episodes, she's joined the, joined the team. So Wicked. we've got two boys, two girls. Ruth has got um, stoma. She's been through it. She's had what she refers to as the Barbie butt surgery. So she's been, she's got all of the insights on surgery stuff. She's got all of that locked down. And we've got Christine from the medical and me and Jake just messing about. So Amazing. You know, what you've done is incredible. We absolutely love the podcast. I want Thanks. everyone to check it out. It takes guts. Um, and yeah, like I said at the start, the dynamics are quality. And you're so, you guys are so easy to listen to. Um, That's not just because like. of Christine's accent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, don't get any but, credit. It's does, does Christine sound sexier because my voice is the other voice on yeah. it? Like, I just this little like Southern Herbert, just like, all right, geezer, just talking about all this horrible stuff. But yeah, well, Sarah, someone once, someone once told me that I sound deaf. No, you don't. So, yeah, it was, and the, what made it worse was it was, uh, I used to work in a call center and uh, the guy that did the call coaching told me it while we were listening back to one of my calls to a customer it's like do you know what you sound deaf oh, you cheers, do mate. At all. cheers. Wow. your accent your accent's really comforting for me oh good there we go okay, well, when we started recording one of my best mates he said Cass Sarah looks and sounds like the really glamorous presenter and you sound and look like the disgruntled and disheveled guest <laughs> I was in fits and like, I was talking to Sarah about it and I said it's pro- like it, it probably does literally look and sound like <laughs> <laughs> I've got like such a weird accent because I'm Bristolian like my home is Bristolian but I have lived and spent loads of time in London so I've got this like weird kind of like Cockney <laughs> Bristolian vibe going on sometimes <laughs> So, and then Sarah's just this, you know, gorgeous Canadian that speaks so lovely and is so glam. But yeah, I was like, thanks for that description, mate. There we go. I think everybody hates their own voice. I was told actually in my previous job working in tech in a male dominated industry that I sounded too feminine and I needed to change my voice oh. and the way I pronounced things. Wow. Um, yeah, mm. That was fun. That was a fun That's conversation. Yeah. Um, How did yeah. you respond to that? I honestly feel like I think I was actually sick at the time and I just didn't give a fuck. It's like, fire me. <laughs> I'm done. How do you how do you even change that though? How do you change not being feminine? I mean, I don't know. I know I sound I know I sound young. It's not like I love my voice, but you can't really change it. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't change it. Why worry about it? I yeah, it, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, if I sa- if I know what I'm talking about, then why does it matter how I sound? But exactly. One question that we ask pretty often: What kind of advice people give you? Um, like, do you ever get that really random, like, go on a juice cleanse? Or I had somebody tell me once that I should hook up to some machine. I'm not sure if it actually exists, um, but a machine to clean my blood and like take out all my blood and filter it through. Oh, and that would magically get rid of my disease. Are they telling you to have dialysis? No. That, that sounds Something. more like a colonic for the veins. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's odd. Like, thanks, mate. I'll get on that. <laughs> no, I've had some weird and wonderful like dietary suggestions. Like you should, app, someone told me once, apple cider vinegar is good for Crohn's. And my, my immediate question was, yeah, but in what form? Like what am I just, I mean, just taking shots of apple cider vinegar. It's just going to burn my esophagus to shit. Yeah, that is like shits in the shot <laughs> so, glass right So, there. stupidly, I tried apple cider vinegar gummies, right? Which were, they, they tasted all right, but they did fuck all for me. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what they were supposed to achieve from them. But, yeah, loads, loads of weird stuff, like don't eat this and, and drink yeah. herbal teas. And, you know, I drink mint tea, but that's because I know it settles my stomach. But, yeah, yeah apple cider vinegar has got to be one of the weirdest. I, I think as well, when people... Um, have heard someone like doesn't eat dairy they're like oh Cass someone's got cranes that like, you shouldn't yeah. eat dairy and I'm like eating a big cheese board and I'm like but I can eat cheese why would I yeah. give it up and to, like, to well, be fair just on that note we think the baby's got a bit of dairy intolerance right oh. so my wife's given up dairy and because I'm a stand-up chap I said I'd do the same and, and support her right so we've cut out milk and dairy and everything so we, we're oat milk and, and fake cheeses and all that 
And we've been doing it three weeks. And do you know what? It has really, really helped. My Has friends it? really helped. Yeah. It's got rid of bloating. I'm not so bloated anymore. I'm a bit more regular going to the toilet. Not that I needed any help, but, you know, wow. consistency-wise, let's get a bit dark. Consistency-wise is better. <laughs> So, like you it. know, I like good consistency. It, it has actually helped. It has actually helped. And I, I never would have done it off my own back because I'm like, yeah, I like cheese too much. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's a blessing in disguise. But you, really. know those, you know those dairy-free cheeses, have you found any good ones? Because I couldn't when I went vegan a couple of years ago. Um, my wife's just discovered um, feta, uh, dairy-free feta, which is apparently quite nice. I haven't tried it myself yet. And... I think as to do a, a free from mozzarella, like grated mozzarella. Nice. And we had it on something the other day and it was actually all right. It, it didn't taste too offensive. But then some of the some, yeah, some of them are horrible. We had a we had a packet one open in the fridge it's and I plastic. opened the fridge door. I was like, what is that smell? All right, it's that awful cheese. Yeah. <laughs> I think they are getting better and better. They have some, oh, they have a really good truffle brie cheese here that's vegan. And oh my God, it's wow. heaven. It's like $18 for a little thing of cheese. But <laughs> Jesus Christ, that. that that's just uh, just that comment there has just defined the class difference between me and Sarah. I'm talking about great, grated mozzarella, and she's talking about a truffled brie. <laughs> yeah, not even just... the price, Darren. Just the description of the yeah, and it? yeah. Should they do this really good truffled brie? I'm, oh, I'm out. I'm out. But I gave up dairy when I was like 18, so it's been a while. Okay. So, okay, you know. so you've been you've been through all of the various different cheeses, then. So I fine, if you found one you like, I'll try and <laughs> I'll try and see if I can source that one for less than eighteen dollars over in the UK. It'll only I'm going like to go on a mission. <laughs> I'm going to go on a mission, Darren. Before we shoot, um, do you want to do like a little thing for your podcast? Because we obviously want to end it by promoting your awesome podcast. Oh yeah, of course. Why not? I appreciate that. Because you, you girls are doing the right thing. There are a lot of podcasts out there now about Crohn's and colitis, and some of them are very samey, very monotonous, but you guys just tell it how it is, which is what I love. But, yeah, go and listen to uh, It Takes Guts. You can find it on all of the usual platforms, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple, etc. It's just me, Jake, and Christine, and soon-to-be Ruth, talking about everything about Crohn's and colitis, how to deal with it, we answer listener questions, we get people on for interviews, and we talk a load of rubbish and try and make you laugh. So check it out because we need the listens because we've been off air for a little while and we need to get back up in the podcast charts. Hopefully soon in the top five, it'll be It Takes Guts and Pop to the Loo. Yeah. Imagine that. Oh, Imagine amazing. that. That'd be great. Celebrate with some vegan cheese. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Ve- vegan cheese and oat milk <laughs> coffees. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much for coming. No, it's all right. Thanks for having me on. It's been great. If you haven't checked out his podcast yet, definitely do. We'll link it in the description and of course on Instagram. Also, if you're not following us on Instagram yet, definitely do so at pop to the loo podcast. And if you can take just a moment to rate and review us on Apple podcasts, we would absolutely love it. It makes a huge difference to us. Thanks, everyone. Love you.